0: If you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible this morning, we have these Red Pew Bibles. Uh, Feel free to use one of those. Uh, If you are using one of those, it's on page 2. Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 13 this morning. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God So when the woman saw that the, saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The very word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thanks be to God. Let's pray together, can we? God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it speaks into every aspect of our lives. God, when we are weary, when we are so busy that we can't see straight, When we're stressed and without hope in the world, you speak over us like you did last week. You remind us that you are our creator. You're the one who created this world. You're the one who, in in your pinnacle moment, created humanity, God, to carry and to reflect your very image. And God, if you created us, we're going to believe that you have a way for us in the midst of this. God, as we see in today's scripture, we're so vulnerable, God, to other voices. And the moment we begin to listen for yours, we begin to hear our own voice, God. And we're quick to follow it. God, oftentimes we hear the voice of the adversary. The Satan who says, um, did God really say that? Who questions everything that we thought we believed. And God and these days, you are turning your world upside down. You're sifting us, God. Wondering if, if you'll find faith anywhere. God, in the midst of our struggles, the evil one is constantly speaking, denying who you say we are and and declaring, even accusing us of what we're not. Oh, God, It's possible. Would you lift up our eyes? You have forgiven us our sin now. Would you lift up our eyes and allow us to gaze on you again? Open our ears, God, and and allow us to hear what you say, not just about our lives, but about our world that we're living in right now. God, we're bombarded with messages that are contrary to your word. And so we need you, God, to speak through your word. We need you, Holy Spirit, to call to remembrance the words of Jesus, to call to remembrance the words of the wise in, in the Old Testament, to call to our remembrance the words of the prophets, and to draw us again to you and to you alone. So God, I'm grateful that you've taken us back to the beginning, we can pass that we have heard lots of voices speak about the veracity, the truthfulness of these scriptures. But God, we believe them to be true because Jesus believed them to be true. And so, God, we just invite you to speak truth into our lives. And God, as we're gathered here today, we're so mindful of so many of our family who are in great need. I'm thinking initially here, God, of of some of the physical needs. I think of of Kay, God. I think of Jeannie and their battles with cancer. and, And I just cry out for them. Touch them, Jesus. Touch their bodies. And and heal them, God, so that they might be able to speak of the greatness of a God who cares for them, not just emotionally and spiritually, but physically as well. And God, our hearts go out to the Haynes family, God. Uh, For Dawn and Chris especially, as they do, they take this walk that many right here in our congregation have taken already where they have to watch their children go through a trial that in a heartbeat they would take upon themselves if they could. But God, you called them to trust you. You called us to trust you. But God, I'm so grateful that you have not abandoned us. You have given us an amazing gift. The gift to agree together in Jesus' name. And Father... As a congregation, we agree together in asking for Riley's complete healing. God, amaze the doctors as you have done so many times, even in the last couple of years. God, amaze the doctors with your intervention. Give Riley, give Shelby and Maddie, give Dylan and Chris and Dawn the words to be able to say, My God heard my cry. And healed Riley. And God, we trust you. We know that you never make mistakes. We know even that this disease has a purpose in your kingdom. But God, we ask that you would be glorified and that Riley would be healed. Can I get an amen? Amen. We believe it, God. And we're asking it in Jesus' name. And then, God, as, as they return to us next week, we pray that we could love them and walk with them, that you give us moment by moment um, instructions on how to care for them uh, in the midst of this trial. And, God, I think of those not just in physical trials like Riley and, and Jeannie and Kay, but I, I think of those also in emotional trials. God, I can see it on their faces. Um, many are still, Father, in, in deep grief, and I'm so grateful that you grieve, God, that, that that's a reflection of your image, that we grieve is a reflection of who you are. But God, with Paul, I just ask that you would help those who are grieving to to grieve with hope. God, shine light into the darkness. Father, for those who are have suffered loss, but those also who are anticipating loss. Thank you that you never leave us or forsake us, that you're always with us. God, okay, I have so much to talk with you about, but I'm, I'm going to trust my sisters and brothers to join me in these 14 days in crying out for the real tangible needs right in front of us, but also for the, for the needs for our futures as individuals, as families, God, as a church family. Speak, Holy Spirit. God, grant us a powerful sense of your presence and peace. And then, God, we will turn to you. We will no longer try to hide. We will turn to you and declare your glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The story doesn't end in Genesis 3. It it continues. through Paul's letters when he's trying to help us understand grace. So would you turn with me to our New Testament passage for today? You can find it um, in Romans, Romans chapter one. For some of you, I know I'm going to switch mics here if I can. For some of you, I know that that um, that that strikes terror in your hearts because Romans chapter one is one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture, but it's also one of the most threatening passages in all of Scripture. I'm going to pick it up, if I can, um, around verse 16. It's our core memory verse for our entire series that we've been in now for about 12 weeks. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God For salvation to everyone who believes. That's our memory verse for the series. Would you say that with me? For I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. To everyone who believes. He continues, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith. Do you remember that? For faith. And as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. From faith. For faith and by faith. But look what he does right here in the next verse. For the wrath of God, not uncontrolled anger like human wrath, but but controlled discipline. uh, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Here's last week, right? Because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely, His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. So there's this natural revelation. The character and nature of God revealed in creation. in the things that have been made. Look at this. So they are without excuse. Creeping things. Here's some of the hard words. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. The very Word of God. Wow, this is going to be a fun Sunday, isn't it? Um, but as I, as I called to you earlier, I don't think that we can fully understand the beauty and, and, and loveliness of God's mercy and grace unless we really understand where we are, where we have, where we have fallen. And so I wanted to invite you to, to think d- deeply about Genesis 3 now. If you've been following with us, we kind of skipped Genesis 2. Last week we saw the creation and it's all its glory. But, but then in Genesis 2, we came back and heard that story again, emphasizing the, the pinnacle of creation. Emphasizing that that when on that sixth day God got to humanity, to you and to me... That that was his best stuff. Again, the Apostle Paul reflects that in our Book of Ephesians we studied a few months ago, right? When when he was saying, "You are God's poema, you're God's masterpiece, you are the pinnacle of God's creation, that you may do His good works, which He prepared ahead of time in advance for you to do." So in Genesis two, we see this this, uh, this recapitulation of the creation story, and it and it elevates. Uh, humankind uh, Adam and Eve as the reflection the very reflection of God's image in the world and in that in that passage he also charged them with responsibility for this world it's not that that we are deists and that we think that God just kind of kicked this world into existence and then said you know I hope it works out for you no uh, we believe that, that God is sovereign, that He's still intimately involved. That's why we cried out to Him a moment ago for people that we care about, right? We cried out to Him because we believe that He's still intimately involved in our world. But we just as much believe that we are His partners in the stewardship of that world. You can hear in that. You will hear in that. Uh, care for our environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. But much more, I think, is is the care for this truth, for the truth that God is creator, for the truth that God is sustainer, for the truth, as we'll see next week, that God is the redeemer as well. He has entrusted that message. He's entrusted that gospel to us. So what went wrong? What went wrong? This is such a familiar story that um, I, I know that you're going to be tempted to just kind of say, yeah, I got this already. I understand this. But I want to just press pause for a second and say, um I don't want you to just understand it. I want you to hear it as, as uh, um, instruction for us right now in this day and age. Because all those things I read in Roman, they describe North American culture to a T. Am I making that up? Right? now, And, and the big piece that we might not have connected before was the situation that is here that... That God will give us up to the depravities of our mind if we don't repent, if we don't turn. God God will allow the natural consequences of our choices to, um, to come to full bear upon us. We've been talking a lot, of you have been talking about, um, we can't believe the, the decisions that are being made on a daily basis. In, in Western culture and particularly in North America right now, we can't believe that. You think that, that we got as far as we could go and then, woo, there's a whole new dimension of brokenness and pain, of sin and evil. But where did it all begin? And, and my premise is that if we understand how it started, I shared with you last Lenten season that the evil one is not particularly creative. He uses the same strategies today that he did then. As we as we uh, hear this story of when it began from Genesis 3, I'm praying that we will find um, strength and insight for our time, how to live in this world today as well. So let's go back and look at that story together, can we? I want to look first at who are the players in the story, right? Because each of them has a critical part of of this God's story, the fall. I want to focus first on the crafty serpent, right? To focus first on the crafty serpent. Because as we saw so many months ago, uh, his strategies are the same today as they were at creation. And, And what are these key strategies, right? Questioning what God has said. Questioning what God has said. I mean, one of the hallmarks of our culture right now is that everything we see about what God has said about humans, or what God has said about relationships between humans, about what God has said about relationships between humans and God, all those things are not only being denied in our culture right now, but they're actually being ridiculed and even persecuted. Uh, I, I, I could pick any of a thousand stories, but the one that's fresh in my mind was one of you had passed on to me the story of the of the woman soccer player on the national team who was excluded from the team because her Christian beliefs were uh, seen as countercultural uh, countercultural to the, the team. Um, and this was the national soccer team, and a follower of Jesus who stands on the values that are in Scripture could not be on the team because of her Christian values. We are not very many steps away from, um, Beloved, from the situation that many of our brothers and sisters throughout the world face. Don't misunderstand me. I am believing and praying for transformation for our city. I'm asking God to let us be a part of that. I'm asking God for this 10-year vision to let Evansville become a center of of renewal and revival that would spread throughout the whole globe. I believe that that's possible and I'm asking Jesus for that. And many of my brothers and sisters are joining me in that. We actually host a prayer meeting here at all of that for our city in that regard. We have groups on Tuesday morning that are praying for those things right now. Don't misunderstand me. I believe that, that those things can happen. But our culture is living out Genesis 3. Our culture is living out Romans 1 right now as we speak. And one of the strategies that the evil one uses is questioning what God said. Did God really say the evil one said to Eve? But it also includes not just questioning what God uh, said, but also contradicting what God said. You will not surely die. The evil one said to Eve, you will not die. Come on, right? You will not die. Um, overtly contradicting what God says, And again, in our culture, we live in an age when, when most of the voices around us are contradicting exactly what God says is true. We have to ask ourselves hard questions. What do we really believe? Who do we really believe? questioning, contradicting. But also, we see right here at the very beginning, the strategy that we saw in uh, Jesus' temptation during the Lenten season as well, that the adversary mixes lies with the truth, right? Mixes lies with the truth. Here's a little test, three statements, right? Three statements here. And let's. this sounds like a game show, but let's see if we can figure out which one... Um, Which one is the lie and which one is the truth, okay? Satan says, your eyes will be opened. Your eyes will be opened. You will be like God. You will know good and evil. Is every word out of Satan's mouth a lie? No. if If that happens with your children, then pretty soon you just know every word out of their mouth is a lie, right? The strategy is to subtly mix truth and lies together so that you can no longer see straight. I'm hanging myself out to dry here, but, but um, which one was the lie? You're a little shy, I understand, because I usually, if you're visiting with us, I usually trick people in these kinds of settings. Which one is the lie? You will be like God, right? When they followed, did they become like God? No no they certainly they certainly had their eyes open right their eyes were open and they saw things they never saw before certainly that they understood now good excuse me evil and good right they knew good before that's all they had known I'm smiling because that's my prayer for my grandchildren that that they would never know brokenness and pain, that they would only know love, right? Until this point in creation, all that Adam and Eve knew was good. And and by, by responding to the temptation of the evil one, now all of a sudden they knew not only good, but they knew evil as well. And you, beloved, know not only good, but you know evil as well. Have you ever been in the middle of a really awesome Netflix um, thing, uh, and, and I talk about addictions. So I'm not looking at you. I'm sorry, Kristen. Uh-uh. I just look at different places. She thought I was convicting her there. Um, and and you're, you're deep into this thing. It has got you hook, line, and sinker, right? And then all of a sudden, it just throws a curveball and something so contrary to God's word uh, that you go, what in the world just happened? Now, in fairness, I find myself, I'm sometimes shifting my values. I say, well, just because I'm watching something doesn't mean I'm believing it, right? So there's a couple things that happened earlier in that Netflix thing that, that were kind of pushing, no, that were sin, that were brokenness. But I'm immune to those, God, and they don't affect me right i'm i'm above that right and then boom god says okay i'm going to show you the full extent of this brokenness don't misunderstand me there's a bunch of good stuff on netflix there's a bunch of good stuff on tv but but slid in between the good stuff is a lot of brokenness and pain right and and all of a sudden you realize that that you've been captured by that uh, and 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 you find yourself in the place I was a few weeks ago. Where I said I just got to stop this now, and I got to ask God to remove some of those images, some of those thoughts, some of those words from my heart and mind and soul. Um, it's not always easy. The evil one mixes in good with evil. He mixes in truth with lies. That's why I think the the Genesis account calls him crafty. I don't think he meant like our vacation Bible school that they're very crafty. He's very crafty. No, he's, he's insidious and is working against everything that God believes about you, right? The crafty serpent, but also the woman, right? Now, um, now remember that she was not, we don't remember this because we didn't study uh, Genesis chapter 2, but in Genesis chapter 2, God spoke to Adam before Eve was there. Right, so everything she knows about um, about what God had said is because Adam told her, right? And so, so she knows the truth here, but 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 um, when Satan challenges her, this isn't in your notes. But when he challenges her, then she comes back with what Adam said, and then adds something that God never said, and Satan says, "Got her, got her," right? And then, and then after the temptation is presented, the, the scripture says she saw that the tree was good for food. And, and we talked in Jesus' temptation that, that John's word and 1st John were so true that, that one of the temptations is the lust of the flesh. Those things, you gotta have this. Whether it be food, like for Eve or, or something else, I, I gotta have this. Then she saw that the tree was the light for the eyes, and, and we see that John was right again, that, that there's the lust of the eye. That looks good. I want that. I want that. Right? And then we saw, we see that she saw the tree was to be desired to make one wise. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. Here's where it comes from in 1 John 2. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away with all those desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Satan presented the temptation, but just like James told us in in one, she succumbed to it when she gave in to the desires of her heart as well. Well, where's Adam in all this? The surprise of Genesis 3, because um, most of us picture the evil one and uh, and Eve, the serpent and Eve there by themselves. The surprise of our passage is that he was right there. He was right there. And and all the things that he said, she really put it into practice, right? He didn't say anything, Um a person who was talking about marriage relationships and, and, and wrote a book called The Silence of Adam. He was right there and didn't say anything the whole time. He was with her and didn't make a stand in the midst of that situation. So what was the result? My little Reader's Digest version here. She ate and he ate. Let's not do any of this finger pointing. That will come in later. Um, they both fell. They both fell. She ate and he ate. How did they do it? What was the result? Right? They doubted. They doubted. They took the bait of Satan, right? They took this bait and, and, and doubted God's word. Doubted what God had said. Now we saw a few weeks ago that Jesus was put exactly in this situation. What do you remember what he did? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. He quotes God's word, word for word. And beloved, you're going to be in situations where the world says, this is the way it is. And, and you will have an opportunity to, to confess and profess what you know to be true. That's why we spend so much time focusing on God's word. Because it's God's word that will deliver you in times of temptation and times of struggle, they doubted God's word, but but more than that, they doubted God's goodness. They doubted that that God really had their best interests in mind. What is what is the nature of the sin? Right? I, I prayed earlier about those of us who find ourselves making the same sinful choices again and again. Right? And 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 we. We find ourselves living between two worlds. Either we want to just condemn ourselves and say, "I guess this God thing just doesn't work," right? Or more likely, we um, we condemn God and say, "You're not who you say you are," apparently, because I keep stumbling into this. But on the desire in God's side, I, I came across it this last week. John Bloom writes, "We will keep choosing to sin." He said, as long as we believe that choosing not to sin is choosing less happiness. What is the primary message that the world is giving us? That God just wants to take away your happiness, right? God doesn't want you to be happy. Of course, we have pressed through that before and pressed through pleasure and pressed through happiness to the joy on the other side. God has so much more for you instead. But we give in, even if in a moment when we somehow start to believe the lie that that, not choosing, that choosing not to sin is choosing less happiness. John continues, we may be attracted to certain sins for complex reasons, and sin might result in complexity, but habitual sin at its core may be quite simple. We believe that sin will make us happy, and the long process of making progress then begins not with self-denial. I spent much of my life, I'm a pretty strong-willed dude, I spent much of my life in, in gutting it out, saying, I can do this. Right? The long process of making process, uh, progress begins not with self-denial, with how important that is, I recognize that, but with finding the power of a greater desire finding the power of a greater desire we've got to we've got to live for god's glory not for our pleasure or even happiness right we've got to choose to live for god's glory i was in a situation where i was talking with someone and 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 they were talking about um, christians that come on strong and 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 um and and we're kind of condemning that, and and I found myself overwhelmed for a moment with with this emotion because it, it struck me as I was listening that that it was more important not to um, not to uh, speak truth in someone's life than it was that they might spend eternity apart from Christ. Did you follow that? I didn't say that well. Um, Sometimes we're so afraid of offending one another that we hide the truth and, and people walk off into the sunset not having a relationship that will sustain them for eternity. This is about as close as I get to hell, fire, and brimstone. Um, but in my sincere desire that everybody I would meet would experience God's grace, I cannot deny the truth. Amen? That, that that apart from God's grace we spend an eternity apart from him and and as you study God's word you don't you realize that that's not just simple annihilation people die and go away no we all live forever the question is how will we live forever and 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 we have to be bold and courageous and i want to encourage you that the thing that can drive that courage and boldness is a vision of the beauty of God's glory, right? The beauty of His glory. It's reflected in His original creation. It's reflected in His restored creation. We'll see in a couple weeks, weeks. But, but we've got to risk proclaiming a vision of His glory. So they, Adam and Eve, doubted God's Word and they doubted His goodness and then they disobeyed. They disobeyed. How does that work for you, Carolyn, when you disobey mom and dad? Did that come out okay? Not, not really. Not really. Thank you for letting me put you on the spot. I did that to my own daughter and she just blew me off when, I, when she was young. Um, now it doesn't work out so good for us with our parents and it doesn't work out good for us and God. They disobeyed. And as a result, we've seen already they knew evil. And did you catch that? and they were ashamed. They were ashamed. They experienced something they never had before, and they were ashamed, and they covered up their sins, right? How much energy have we spent trying to cover up our brokenness? cover Let me use the stronger word. Cover up our sin so that other people won't see us as we really are. And we begin to think that God doesn't see us as we really are either. And they hid from God. Which is such a just an amazing statement in the scripture, right? And then it, it paints this picture of God going in the cool of the morning, right? Um, hmm, haven't seen Adam for a while, right? Where is Eve, right? Uh, 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 we know, we know that that you cannot hide from God. You cannot hide from Him. He's not bound by things like we are, time and space and. Deceit and treachery. he can't hide from God. He sees us as we really are. But they hid from him. And I didn't want to miss this because it's such a key to all of Scripture. They experienced fear. For the first time in creation, fear existed. They experienced fear. And I know we're speed dialing this, but when when God called them out on it they they blame shifted right they blame shifted one after another well that's that's a description of humanity as we know it right now and and if you don't believe me go work in an office somewhere with more than 3 people right and you'll you'll find it to be true you'll find it To be true, the same strategies of the evil one are resulting in the same outcomes for humanity. Praise God that the serpent and Eve and Adam were not the only players in the story, right? Praise God they weren't. There was another one. I'm going to call him the key player was in that story as well. And, And... just briefly, I just want to note a couple of the things. There's myriad things in here that reveal to us the character and nature of God. But, but I want to just see a couple of things and, and, and see what role this player had. God lovingly set boundaries for them so that we wouldn't have to experience fear and shame and pain, right? God loves you so much that He has put boundaries in our life, right? And we, we like to derogatorily call them rules, right? Or commands, and, and, and we, re- we resent that they impinge on our freedom, right? Like, like my children might have resented when He put a fence around the yard, right? So they couldn't go from the side yard to the front yard and get run over by a truck in the front yard, right? That was a boundary. Um, could they transgress it? transgress it They, they, they could, but I, I lovingly put that in place to protect them, to keep them from fear, to keep them from shame, to, to keep them from from uh, the pain of of sin. I can see on some of your faces that you 're absorbing this and you 're condemning yourself for something in your parenting or something. Don't do that. That's not what this is about. Grace is available for us right this moment, right? Um, God is the faithful parent, even where we fell short, where we fall short. But don't miss this truth. He puts boundaries in place for our good, right? Right? And and, and look what He does. I mean, I, I was playing with this whistling in the garden thing, but He was there intentionally. He knew exactly where Adam and Eve were, but He went searching for them by name. He went searching for them by name. And in the middle of that song that I was singing, I almost switched, but I knew that our other singers wouldn't know what I was doing. I almost switched and called you by name in the middle of that song because the question that He's asking them, He asks of us as well. But don't miss that God lovingly puts boundaries and and He comes after us even when we're in the midst of hiding in fear from Him. And then He asks questions. He asks questions. He would have made a great psychologist, wouldn't he, Don? He just asks questions, right? Because so much more is learned when we answer them ourselves. Even though He already knows the answers to them, we learn something about ourselves when we answer God's questions. So what were those questions that he asked them and that we might final questions to you, where are you today? Where are you today? Are you living in fear? Are you stinging from the pain of brokenness and sin? Are are you weeping? Weeping over people that you love and care about that that have chosen the momentary pleasures of sin rather than the glory of God which lasts forever where are you God is calling you by name I'm not talking about geographically right I'm talking about relationally where are you right now relationally with God because he's looking for you he's looking for you today he loves you I love the last line of that song. Adam, Adam, I love you. I love you. But he asks us as well what he asks Eve. What have you done? Now, he knew what they had done, right? This is not not because he's scratching his head, can't figure out what went wrong with creation. He knew exactly what they had done. That's why we spent time in confession, because it's really good for us to articulate it. When God gives us insight about who he is and how we might have fallen short to say it, that's to agree with him, to confess it. Uh, Because until we own it, right, then, then it's just words. Until we will receive it, it's just words. What have you done? Have you disobeyed? Have you disobeyed? Now note that, that that wasn't the end of the story. We're going to continue this story. But I forced Kristen to help me leave it here today because I don't want to get to grace too soon before we have owned where we are, and before we've owned what we've done, and before we've answered that question, have you disobeyed? Because there's a world out there that desperately needs authentic people. Broken, yes, because of our sin. There are none righteous, Paul would say in Romans 3.23. Not one. This is not a question of that. The question is whether we'll own our brokenness, whether we'll own our sin, and whether we'll receive the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, He is faithful, amen, and just, and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Use this week, would you? to so let God search your heart where he's already prompted you, um, where he's already, you already have a part of the answer. Um, confess it. Um, he, he didn't mess around when he said confess your sins to one another because he knows that, that there's something real that happens when we risk confessing that to another human being who on God's behalf will hear and who will forgive. And then let's live into the freedom that is ours in Christ. Let's live into God's created beauty. You're so patient with me when I talk so long. May God allow what He desires to take root in your heart. Um, But I call to you when He speaks, put it into practice. Thank you for my sisters and brothers, God. Thank you for your word. God, we confess that that this is real stuff. It's not theoretical. We live in this situation, this broken world right now. And honestly, God, in many ways, we have succumbed to the temptation to be more like the world than to stand out from it and to honor you. So, Holy Spirit, blow through our hearts. Point out those areas that are yet unsurrendered to your mercy and grace. God, prompt us and invite us back into relationship. And God, we will give you the praise and we will give you the glory in Christ's name. Amen.